I just don't know what these industries are going to look like in five years, you know? So I'm, in some ways I'm almost trying to kind of just take it all in and, you know, use these tools and really get familiar with them. I, I think being able to use AI is going to be one of the, you know, that might be the only real skill in another five years, you know? I mean, it's like, I thought things like coding were going to be able to keep people safe, but I mean, heck, I know, I know a lot of guys that just stopped studying coding because they're like, look, I mean, this, these programs can do it at this point. What am I even going to do in another couple of years? So that one, I mean, it's like, I don't know where we're going with it, but you know, that that's one to kind of keep an eye on. Cause I think it's going to really change everything ultimately. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. So Nick, you just got back from getting invited out to be a professional speaker, Berkshire Hathaway, real estate. Tell me a little bit about this. Yeah, it was amazing, man. So it was uh, kind of a big step in my my speaking career, but I got uh, invited to come out at a few different sessions. It was in one of the big rooms. Uh, I got to speak to you know, many, many hundreds of agents. So it was a total blast. Yeah, I got to spend some time in Vegas too. So that, that was a lot of fun. Well, we're going to talk today about your definition of excellence and how people need to focus on one thing really, really well and avoid shiny objects. People that talk a big game sometimes drop the ball and you like working with people that set reasonable expectations and kind of how to avoid comparing yourself to others, what they're doing is irrelevant. And what you need to do to get to that edge of excellence is have the courage to do the things that others aren't willing to do, whether it's cleaning toilets, living with strangers, or having tough conversations with business partners to help resolve challenges. So I'm excited for the show today. Um, I can't wait to dive in deep with you here. All right, Nick, let's talk about your definition of excellence. How do you define excellence? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you know, this is one of those questions that there's obviously a lot of different directions to go. And, and I'm going to just sort of define it as I would have recently, I guess, which is, and this is sort of a, a synonym, but I would say, you know, to me, excellence is is perfect competence, you know, which I basically mean you deliver on what you tell people you're going to do, you know? And I think that this is something I see a lot nowadays where, you know, everybody's just so busy, everybody's so overwhelmed, they're trying to do too much, at least in my opinion, I think we've, we've kind of taken the hustle culture thing too far in a lot of cases. And so you get people that might be good at what they do, that show up 20 minutes late to meetings and screw up your schedule. And they, you know, can't quite deliver things on time, because they promise to do too many things. And so, you know, I think when it comes to excellence nowadays, it's about, it's about, you know, being being narrowly focused, it's about knowing you know, exactly what it means to accomplish what you tell somebody you're going to do. And then at least at the very minimum, delivering exactly on that, obviously exceeding expectations where you really make that clear. But I love to see more people focusing on on that nowadays versus just, you know, I think nowadays it's just, it's all chasing shiny objects and trying to do too many things. And if we get focused in and sort of stay humble and and, and just deliver on what we say we're going to do, to me, that that's really what it's all about now. So how did you figure that out? Uh, well, dealing with lots of people who didn't deliver on what they said they were going to do for, for many years, you know, I mean, I've been, I've been a business owner. I mean, heck, you know, basically since I was a freshman in college with, with college works and, you know, I mean, I think it's one of those where I've made that mistake. You know, I've, I've tried to do too many things. I've, you know, bit off more than I could chew. And, you know, I've been in marketing almost the entire time, you know, in marketing, there's, there's always another way to market, right. It's another thing to try another, um, outlet for your, your content you can post to all those sorts of things. And, you know, so on the on the one hand, I think it came from from me screwing that up over many years, especially in my early 20s, when I was kind of first getting into being self-employed and all that. And then, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, it's become more about some of the other businesses we interact with. And, you know, we've done some partnerships with other companies and sometimes they go great. You know, and the times they go great is when everybody's on the same page and everybody's getting things done by the time they say they will and all that. And then when they when they fall apart and create problems is when people just just don't simply do that stuff. So a lot of just firsthand experience. And I think as you, you know, for anybody listening, as you get into more of those partnerships, you start to work with businesses, 
the thing to work to watch out for and the way I kind of measure this stuff is, is who talks the big game up front. Cause a lot of times those are the people that are going to drop the ball at some point, you know? So if I'm getting into a relationship with somebody and, and they're staying humble and they're telling me what they're going to do, but they're not making any over, over outrageous statements and they're setting reasonable expectations. I mean, that that's the kind of company or the kind of person that I get really excited about working with. Cause I know that that's going to be a long-term fruitful partnership and that they're not going to get distracted along the way. So yeah, definitely a lot of just firsthand experience at this point. <laughs> do, do you find that oftentimes the person that's setting more reasonable expectations over delivers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it, you know, that that's just it, right? I mean, I think I'm a big fan of uh, basically being underestimated, you know, so I'd much rather come into a situation, tell people it's not going to go perfectly, you know, kind of set those expectations reasonably, and then just do a really good job. You know, and then they're going to be just absolutely wowed by that in the back end and they're going to want to continue to work together. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's not I don't I don't think somebody comes in and tells me everything's going to suck. I, that, that's not usually a good sign either. Um, but a lot of times, you know, when I get into those rooms and I got somebody talking that big game and, you know, you know, you get these cold emails all the time. Right. Like, oh, we can get you 100 new customers in six months or a month or whatever. And, you know, just right off the bat, you're like rolling your eyes already. You know, so I think if. If your gut response to, to somebody trying to work with you is that this sounds a little too good to be true, I mean, at least this point in my experience, that's probably accurate. <laughs> awesome. All right. So our show is a lot directed towards people trying to figure out what they want to do. We're going to get into that of what you do, how you figured it out. But we're going to go way back. I knew you during college, but talk to the audience about your high school, college, early days. Uh, what were you doing? How did you kind of view yourself at that point in your life and figure out a path for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you you agreed not to talk too much about any of those stories from college, right? So yeah, there's, there's some secrets there, right? No, but yeah, I, I was actually, you know, I was thinking about this a lot recently because it kind of dawned on me, I don't know, over the past year or two, I was like, I don't think I was quite the person in high school that I thought I was, you know? And I, what I mean by that is I, I actually, you know, I had this kind of image of myself for many years as sort of the shy guy, you know, this, this guy who was sort of quiet and Maybe didn't have as many friends as other folks and all that. And uh, looking back on it now, I'm like, well, you know, I, I was definitely, I think I would call it social anxiety. I sort of learned that term in the past few years. I definitely had a lot of social anxiety, a lot of trouble sort of going into a room full of new people and, and feeling comfortable in that environment. But once I got to new people just a little bit, I was getting over that. And so I think now when I look back on it, I realized I, I had more friends than I thought I did. And I was actually, you know, better in a lot of these environments than I thought I was. But to answer the question directly, I mean, basically, I did I did a ton of stuff in high school. I mean, I was I was the guy that was, you know, involved in as many different social, you know, opportunities as possible, all the all the clubs, all that kind of stuff. Um, what I did not do, and I, when I say social, I, I don't mean hanging out with other people, unfortunately, because one of the problems I had in high school is I was I was about 45 minutes away drive time from my high school, um, which also meant that I was about 45 plus minutes away from most of the kids I went to school with. And so I kind of filled a lot of that that potential time with other activities, you know, so I was working multiple jobs. I worked, uh, you know, I did McDonald's and I worked at Panera Bread for a while. Um, you know, I ended up, uh, man, I played a ton Same of music. Bread Company, right? Well, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I don't know who's listening to this now. They switched even, even in St. Louis, they started calling it Panera Bread, which was a real bummer. But, you know, uh, but yeah, St. Louis Bread Company, as it should be known, uh, for sure. And, you know, so I was, I, but I was very busy. I mean, I, I had this big commute. I did zero hour band pretty much every day. I played after school. I was in multiple orchestras. I played the trumpet. And like, that was, that was my real passion at that point in my life. But yeah, I, I stayed very, very busy. And I think that, you know, in terms of kind of what I was trying to do, you know, I, I was one of those rare kids that I, I do think I had a pretty clear sense of where I was going. Now, at the time, I was flirting with the idea of, of trying to go into music professionally. And um, by the time I got to college, that that kind of dropped off. I decided that, that wasn't the route I wanted to go. But I always knew I wanted to be pretty independent. You know, I wanted to be in, in you know, and to some degree, I think I knew I wanted to be in front of people. That's a big part of my job now. Um, I, I think at that time, I thought that was about music and performing musically in front of people because I, I couldn't see myself in, in a public sort of facing role other than that. But I knew that that was going to be a part of it. Um, and, you know, I always wanted to be self-employed. I mean, really, from an early age, I, I was inventing things and I was you know very much obsessed with this idea of sort of, you know, coming up with a product or starting a business or, you know, doing something that just wasn't going to be working directly for, for a major corporation for other people. And I don't know if I was choosing the things I was getting involved with based on that idea, 
Um, but I definitely had a sort of a joiner mentality. I was, I was super involved. So I was in, you know, the, these clubs, the wellness club, and I was doing the music stuff and, you know, getting involved in all these kind of different things around school. So it was a lot, you know, I was definitely, I mean, I was kind of kid. I was staying up till, you know, 10 or 11 to finish all my homework because I was in a pretty challenging school. And then I was up at like 530 in the morning. Um, I had this crazy carpool with several other kids and we had all this work, you know, driving all this distance to get to school. So I, I sometimes look back on that time and, and kind of wonder how I got it all done. But uh, I think it was definitely formative, right? I mean, that's the kind of thing that, you know, when you act, when you approach things that way and you kind of intentionally overload yourself, that's when you find out how much you can handle, you know? And so I think, I think later on in, in my twenties, it was much easier to, well, maybe in my thirties, I don't know if I learned that lesson until more recently, but you know, it was easier to sort of see like, where is the limit? And when, when I go past that point, I'm not actually accomplishing anything anymore, you know? And I think I, I certainly found those limits uh, in my, in my younger years. <laughs> so you went to a pretty prestigious university. Yeah. Washington, Washington yeah. currently is a number 15 ranked university. They call it like a hidden Ivy or a little Ivy league school. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I don't, I don't brag on that much, but it, it is quite a good school. <laughs> So going in there, I mean, I'm sure there's a mentality of like, I'm I'm here, I've made it. Like I got into the Harvard of St. Louis. Like I, I'm set. What was your experience in college like and how did that affect your career path? Yeah, I had a weird, I had a weird kind of experience in college. Cause yeah, so I come in and uh I think calling it the Harvard of St. Louis might not make it sound that impressive because I don't think people have a great impression of St. Louis. Of the Midwest. But, yeah, right. The Harvard of the Midwest, right? But yeah, I mean, it was uh, you know, you come into this place and like the, the one thing about WashU is it it is it's full of incredibly smart people and a lot of those, you know, very, very kind of nerdy people, you know. And so on the one hand, you know, that's amazing. You're around just, you know, super brainiacs, like some of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life are still people I went to college with, um, which was great for me because I, I definitely came in still pretty cocky. You know, I was definitely one of the smart kids in, in both grade school and even in high school. And so I do think that that sort of reset me just a little bit, which is a good thing. Um, on the other hand, though, I don't know that a lot of the students at WashU were kind of in the same headspace that I was. You know, I, mean, I was pretty clear that like I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to start a business. I wanted to be an inventor. And there's definitely some of that there. There's there's some amazing companies that have come out of the the entrepreneurship program at WashU, and that was that was a fun part of what I got to do there. But that's also when I got involved in in college works. You know, and so as as a freshman, uh, basically, I signed up for that that uh, internship. And so just a kind of snapshot of this, as I came into WashU, I was uh, I was actually an engineering student. Um, I had a full year of college credit already under my belt, um, which was great. But it also meant that I didn't get to do any of the fun electives. So, you know, some kids are taking like the dinosaurs class. And my my elective was like a math class or something I had taken in high school that covered that credit. So that kind of sucked. But, you know, you come in, you kind of start doing this thing. Within a year, I had decided I did not want to be in engineering. Um, I had almost a perfect GPA at the time, like a 3.9 something. And I just basically was like, you know what, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I know it at this point, it's, it's clear to me. I'd, I'd done the college works thing for about a year at that point. I knew I loved the idea of, of owning a business. And like, at that point, my, my college experience kind of, kind of switched on a dime. Um, from that point forward, I almost failed college. Like I almost failed out multiple semesters in a row. Um, and I sort of perfected this ability to to take just enough of the class, you know, show up to enough classes, do enough of the homework to pass, you know, and, and, and actually not to pass, to keep my uh, my scholarship. So I never lost my scholarship. I sort of like nailed that that line there. Um, and so the remaining I, I graduated a semester early because I had all that extra credit. But I yeah, I mean, a lot of ways, like the rest of that time in school, it, you know, I, I was definitely learning a lot from school, but I was learning just as much, if not more, by by being out there doing this stuff hands on. I mean, the entire time I had, uh, you know, I was working at college works, but I was also doing other part time jobs and uh, doing some networking and things like that. And, you know, in some ways, I, I probably could have gotten a little bit more out of my education if I took it a little more more seriously. But at the same time, like getting out and, and doing the work and actually, you know, it was kind of cool. I mean, I, I was out in the field. And I'm like testing the theories and learning in management class, you know, and I even remember coming back to my professor a few times and being like, hey, I tried this last week and it didn't work, you know, <laughs> and, so, and I don't think they knew how to interpret that. They're like, shut up, read the textbook, take the test. Like, that's what I'm here to do. You know, I'm not here to this isn't an MBA course where you're supposed to be applying it all immediately. So. You know, that was that was a little weird for me. And the other thing that, that was weird about my college experience is that I actually ended up being friends with people at all these other schools, you know. So I, I spent a lot of time 
um, outside of Wash U, you know, so I was, I was at SLU all the time with my friends there and, and doing recruiting. I was at Mizzou all the time. Um, I was even over in Kansas city a fair amount, but that was really cool, you know, cause I, I definitely got to see it, it. One thing that that showed me that's really interesting about college is just how different the student bodies are, you know, I mean, you can, you can sort of clearly define the kinds of people that end up at each of these schools. Um, and so it was cool because I got to get out and, and see these different networks, you know? And so as I, as I got into my, my later years of my career, you know, now I can sort of tap into these different groups, different perspectives. Um, and I actually think that was, that ended up being informative in a way that I didn't appreciate at the time. So I do think, uh, that diversity of, of being around students from different schools was actually a really cool thing, but I wasn't at WashU as much. <laughs> I can imagine your career, you know, and most careers aren't dealing with just wash you people every day, unless you're in academics or and maybe if you're a doctor, but that's about it, right? Well, right. I mean, I, I think that was, you know, and, and I'll be honest, like, you know, I love a lot of students I went to school with at Wash U, but there was there was definitely sort of a of a sheltered group of people there. You know, it was a lot of folks that, that honestly came from money, you know, a lot of very, very wealthy students at Wash U. You know, I, I'm I'm coming in freshman year and, and I already have multiple jobs. You know, I'm working 20, 30 hours a week on top of going to engineering school. And I was surrounded by a bunch of kids that were having trouble just getting their 15 credit hours done, you know, and I'm I'm looking at them like, what's wrong with you? You know, like you should be able to do twice as much of, of this work. So, you know, in, in some ways, I do think it, it, it was very helpful to, to get those other perspectives, you know, because you're definitely... Yeah, there's a certain degree. And the thing I, I do regret is that I, I think I could have done a better job of really tapping that network, you know, because I don't think I appreciated that till I got a little bit older. It's like, hey, you were you were getting to be friends with all the the rich people's kids, you know. Maybe you should have stayed better in touch with all those rich people's kids who are now the rich people themselves, right? So, you know, from a business strategy perspective, I, I you know, and I can always tap into those networks anytime. It's not like I've lost those connections entirely, but um, you know, so there's there's trade offs there. But yeah, I mean, I, I think in hindsight. You know, especially, you know, being around sort of the more the more blue collar folks, the people that, you know, were, were had a little bit more experience of just sort of grinding things out and working super hard and all that. You know, I think that was was good for me as well. So, yeah, definitely. But definitely a weird, weird environment. I lived on campus for the first couple of years. And I lived off campus. And I mean, honestly, I, I probably did spend as much time at Mizzou and SLU as I did at my own school. <laughs> yeah, I had a similar experience. So. Um, did you know in high school or college, uh, you mentioned, you know, in college, you knew you want to be an entrepreneur. Is that what you thought in high school or was engineering like a gateway to entrepreneurship? Or did you think I'm going to be an engineer? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's that. It's, what's interesting there is I, I wanted to be an inventor. Like that was the thing I understood when I was younger is like this idea of like you invent a product and then you build a company around that product you invented. And I think that all stemmed from the fact that half half or more of my family were engineers, you know, so like my. My family, it's like my dad's an engineer, uh, my uncle's an engineer, my aunt's an engineer. And then and then maybe even the biggest one is my grandfather uh, was an engineer. And, and he actually was a super successful engineer. So he, he got to a point in his career where he ran the, the entire C-17 program uh, for what was McDonnell Douglas at the time, um, which was basically like their most productive program in, in company history. You know, so he, he had pictures of like, uh, there's this picture in his office that I like to look at sometimes, literally him giving a speech next to a, a C-17 that just come off the assembly line while President Clinton is standing next to him listening to his speech, you know? And I was like, pretty cool to be on the same stage as the president, but it's even cooler when they're standing there listening to you, you know? So so anyway, so I just, I only mentioned that because it kind of gives the idea of where this, you know, this sort of ad, ad, uh, adoration. Of I got to engineer the product and then I can build the business off the product. Yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, because because yeah, it was it was it was an engineering background. I had this whole family of these people that, that did this job, and so yeah, I mean that was to me that was that was the the clear route, you know. And I I don't, I mean it was weird because it wasn't until I was in college that it, it just sort of clicked, and I'm like, oh, you don't have to be the engineer. You can start the business that still invents the product, and you could maybe hire the engineers, you know, to to do all the the math and all that, right? Which I mean, I I obviously learned how to do a lot of in school, but um, but yeah, that was that was the thing I think that, that changed for me when I got to that point. A lot of that was, you know, from doing the College Works internship where I'm, I'm running a business and seeing like, oh, OK, like you can have employees and you can outsource things. And there's all these other ways of kind of solving problems, so to speak. But but the core was always there, you know, I mean, I, and I don't I mean, I, it, it's it's a weird one. I think my family talks about it sometimes. They're like, we don't really know how you got to where you did because there wasn't really anybody else in the family doing it. 
Um, but I think I, I, you know, I don't know if it was just an independent streak or what, but there was just sort of always that underlying thought of like, if I can be my own boss, that's a good thing. You know, I, I was the kid who was, who was cutting grass, you know, I was this kid, the kid who was sort of looking for ways to make money that wasn't getting a traditional job. And eventually I did, you know, and, you know, worked at McDonald's and Breadco, like I said, I mean, those, those were decent jobs at the time, but I do think there was always sort of a, of a desire for, you know, I don't want to have somebody else telling me what to do. And, and I think also like, I don't want to be limited by the other employees who just aren't doing a good job. You know, I think that's something I also saw when I, I work in some of these, these group projects and things like that, you know? So, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, eventually it kind of dawned on me that that, that meant starting a, a business myself. And then it became pretty clear. And I mean, I, you know, since I graduated school, I worked for nine months uh, selling tour tools and lawnmowers at Sears. And other than that, I've been self-employed the entire time, you know? So, I mean, it, so I, I know most people don't have anything near that kind of degree of clarity, but, uh, whatever it was, you know, there's something in there from, from an early age that was like, you want to be your own boss, you know? So I was lucky enough that it that worked out for me. So we're going to come back to that. I want to talk about that more with you, but I think the audience is wondering what, what, is, what do you do? What, what is your business? Um, so tell us a little bit about your career. Um, students that are listening want to know what are the careers that are out there? What kind of businesses can I start? How do I even figure out what kind of business I should start? Um, so you've had a ton of different interesting businesses and your business has pivoted a couple of times and I want to get caught up on all that's going on with your company. So just tell, tell us the audience what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my primary career at this point is that I teach small business owners how to communicate through video. Um, and I say communicate, not market, because we we in our, our company see video as, as the new form of communication. It's a better way to talk to people if you can't actually get physically face to face. And a lot of people, unfortunately, in, in the business world, they see video as just marketing. You know, so we, we help them understand like this is a way you can send video messages. You can use it internally in your business, all this other stuff. Right. But so we teach the whole thing. We teach it from square one all the way up to the point where you're building out a big following on YouTube or something like that. And our specialty is real estate. So we mostly work with real estate agents. About 90% of our, of our school is agents. And so the company is called Business Video School, which is a very generic sounding name. We, we are actually talking about rebranding at some point, but we wanted to keep it somewhat open-ended. We could have called it like Real Estate Video School or done something obviously even better than that. Um, but we like the idea of keeping it open-ended because we do eventually want to be serving as many different industries as possible. So for now, it's mostly real estate. We have about 800 to, to 850 current students, um, worked with a few thousand over the, the first three years of the business. We're right at about a three-year anniversary at this point. Now, where it came from, and I could talk more about the specifics of how we, we teach people to use video, but it actually all started because... Uh, we have a video production business, which still exists called Connect Video. It's mostly based in the St. Louis area. Um, but what was happening is we we were working with agents. We were bringing them in. We were making videos with them. In fact, we even had a service uh, we call the Same Day Video Ad, where somebody would come into our office with nothing ready to go. They didn't even have to have an idea. We'd sit down. We'd brainstorm an idea. We'd write a script. We'd shoot the video with them sitting in our studio on green screen a lot of times. They just have to read the script a few times into a camera. We'd immediately edit the video. We'd immediately set up a Facebook ad. And usually within a few hours, they had an up and running professional quality Facebook ad right there and then, right? Which is like, let's literally nobody else does this kind of stuff because it's super hard. It's just, you know, it's a very intense couple hours that you're there. But what, what was crazy about this is we make these videos, people put them up, they'd run the ad, thousands of views, tons of attention. We're talking like hundreds of reactions, you know, hundreds of comments on these things especially because it's a little bit early for, for video. So it's really exciting for folks. And then the crazy part is they were getting business. You know, so we're talking about like this video goes up three days later, they get a call, somebody lists their house, right? And the average agent is making many, many thousands of dollars on a typical real estate sale. So you would think, okay, they're going to come back and they're going to want to do this again. You know, we won't even have to pitch it to them because why wouldn't they want to do something with like a 20X ROI? Like that's a pretty obvious opportunity. But what we didn't realize at the time is how scared they were of being on camera. And so a lot of these folks, even though the business opportunity was so clear, they had had such a hard time working up the, the sort of bravery, so to speak, to, to get on camera in the first place that they, they did not want to do it again. You know, they sort of made it into this, this scary monster thing. And so that's what led us at the time to saying, look, we need to teach them how to just make simple, basic videos, you know, how to, how to send somebody a happy birthday video message on their birthday, how to, how to just make this a normal experience for themselves because obviously it works so effectively for their marketing. So we started developing a course, we did some pilot testing, you know, we got some people to take it, they all really liked it, got great feedback. 
And then that's when the pandemic hit, you know? So it was basically like video production was going great. We're up and running. We'd actually just, we had literally just opened a new office. We had a new studio. We're excited about the space. And then the city comes in and says, hey, guess what? You can't meet with anybody for at least the next couple months, you know? Um, so that, you know, as a small business, obviously there was, there was some funds that came out to sort of support the small businesses at that moment, which was helpful, but that's terrifying. I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of companies went through the same thing where it's like, you went just from, from growing to literally zero. Like if you don't have anything you can do virtually, you're done. Um, and so that was, we did fortunately, I mean, thank goodness. I mean, that was the timing, you know, they, they say in, in business, a lot of times your success is based on your timing. Um, and that was absolutely timing because we we had, you know, we had a course, it was already built, we had a couple testimonials already. And then I was able to turn around and I brought in a local uh, mortgage lender, his name's Jeff, who I'd been introduced to because we were both quote unquote video guys. This is back when so few people were making videos that if you made videos at all, you were seen as a video person, you know. So I was like, hey, you gotta meet this other video person. So that's how we got introduced. And so this was about a year before I go to Jeff, say, hey, look, we got this course. We're going to launch it like immediately, like we're going to go to market here in the next couple of weeks. Um, do you want to be on, on board? Because you have this big following of people that are that are looking up to you and you're teaching them this stuff. And then he was able to also help us bring in another gentleman named Tristan, um, who had an even bigger social following. So Trist, Tristan founded a group called Lab Code Agents, which is basically the largest social media group in the world for real estate agents. There's like 160,000 people in this group. Um, they have an email list with hundreds of thousands of people on it. And so getting him on board obviously was was sort of a huge deal. And so that was, you know, that was the moment, right? We we get all this this team together. I mean, it's you know, faster than I've ever thought I could put a, a founding team for a business together. Um, and within a few more weeks, we were doing the very I, I we scheduled a webinar teaching people video and inside of this Facebook group. We had 800 people on the very first webinar, you know. So I think I think I had done like five or six presentations on Zoom at that point in my life. And here I am, and there's 800 people watching me, you know? So I was, I was a little intimidated. Yeah, that was, that was, a, that was, we never, we've literally never had that many people on another webinar since then, because again, you know, everybody, they, they were all in the same boat, right? They'd all just gotten locked at home, literally nothing going on, right? Sort of just looking for things to do. And so they came to this training and I mean, I mean, that was, talk about a fast start. I mean, we did a few of those webinars the first few weeks and I think we had 900 students across the first three months. And so our, our business model was a little different at the time. It was just a single course. It was a one-off sale. But that was, that was you know, again, timing, right? Right opportunity, right moment. You have what you need. There was really nobody else selling what we had to sell. Um, and in some ways, we haven't looked back. I mean, things have gotten harder and easier at different periods throughout that, that three-year span. But yeah, so that's what we do. So we teach, we teach video. We, we coach people on video. Um, we have nine different courses. Uh, we do video challenges. We have Q and A sessions every every week or two. Um, and then maybe our most popular thing we do is we we created this product called a video recipe, which is a script for a video. But then we also shoot an example of it that our students can can imitate, so they know exactly kind of how to deliver that script. Um, we also give them step by step instructions on how to make the video themselves. And so at this point, we we have, you know, testimonials from some of these students where they went through our courses, they learned how to make this content, and literally they just take our scripts every week, they make the video, they put it on all their social, and that's the only marketing they do anymore. Which I mean, I was when I heard that, I was like, that you gotta be kidding me. Like, is what what was the result? So they're they're growing real estate this year is down like 20% year over year. It's really bad. Um, but these folks are still growing, you know, and, and it's just testament to the power of video in a lot of ways, just the the intimacy that you get from being able to see that other person and kind of build that relationship before they ever reach out. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I do. So at this point, you know, my career in a lot of ways is it's, you know, I, I, I record classes, I, I run these sessions um, and I've started doing a lot more public speaking recently as well. And so that's, you know, obviously if you can teach this kind of stuff on the internet, you could probably teach it in person. So, um, so yeah, so it's kind of becoming a, you know, not quite exactly where I thought I'd be at this point, because, you know, honestly, three years ago, I thought I'd be running a big, successful video production business. And that and that business has rebounded. I think we're, we're sort of back on track there, too. Um, so now we technically are part owners in two companies. But I, I did not necessarily see the, the public speaking part coming out of this. So that's that's an exciting addition to it nowadays. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. 
In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. Oh, that's incredible. So you talked earlier about, you know, inventing a product to create a business. And it's interesting, this isn't a product. You talked about being a, a shy guy and you've got customers that are shy that are trying to get over that. And so you have to coach them through the same thing you've had to go through. So how did that whole idea kind of come together? Uh, or did you wake up one day and go, all right, we're going to do video and real estate and courses and this is what I want to do? Or uh, what really helped you formulate the idea? Well, you know, I think a lot of it is I'm a very curious person, you know, and I think that that I've I've read books on this, you know, and and I do think curiosity is is kind of a superpower. It's something we should all really cultivate. Um, interestingly enough, they also there's there's a fair amount of research that suggests that the curiosity can pull you out of depression, even, you know. So just by by keeping you focused on learning as opposed to what's going wrong in your life, it can actually help you think more positively. So so that to me is that that's been a theme throughout all this, you know, because there've been hard times, you know, I mean, there's there, I mean, hell for, for several years in there and we were trying to get our video production business really up and running. We literally ran an Airbnb out of our own home. So like we had three rooms upstairs and it was sort of separated. It was pretty ideal for it. Um, but we, we ran a three bedroom sort of, you know, call it like a little uh, bed and breakfast or, or sort of something like that um, for about three years to, to pay the bills, you know? So it's not like, you know, this is all sort of clicked uh, every single time, but but to answer that that question, I mean, it basically, so this all started going back a little further. We we used to do flyer delivery, so that's where where Connect Video started. Connect Connect Video is called Connect Home Solutions, and and obviously, you know, we we just did we did door knocking and flyer delivery. Which you know, if anybody is listening to this and they they went through the College Works internship, that probably sounds familiar because that's how I got a lot of my leads when I I ran the painting business. So that that's you know, I had those skills. I said, hey, what can I? This I'm literally I'm sitting in Sears. Um, and, uh, I, I get to this point. So they had this, uh, when I, when I got hired at Sears, they had like a legendary store manager, everybody working there was like, this guy's amazing. You're going to love working here. He's, he's super respectful, all this kind of stuff. As soon as I started, he got promoted and the, and the, the store manager position opened. And there was a, there was like a, you know, department manager that everybody, you know, didn't necessarily like as much that was looking like he was going to get the job. Of course he did. Um, he and I butted heads because I actually felt that I, you know, I had a bunch of management experience at this point. I, I was like, this is how I would do this job. And he was not doing it that way. So at some point I was like, I can't take it anymore. I was button heads with this guy. It was he was basically like threatening my job at this point, even though I was the number one salesperson in the department. And so I just said, you know what? I'm out. Here's my two weeks. They call me the, the next day and they say, you know what? You don't have to come in for two more weeks. You can just be done. And I said, okay, great. And then I went, oh shit, what am I going to do next? You know, like uh, I don't have a job now, right? So I just literally, I was like, what do I know how to do? What's a service I could sell? Um, and and I started Connect Home Solutions like a week later, and it was like, hey, I can knock on doors, I can pass out flyers, I know how to do those things, right? So that that's the context of how that all started. We got into video eventually um, because we were doing the flyer delivery. We were having success, but we were getting a lot of one-off orders, right? So we're like like school recruiting campaigns, really effective for that, right? So we're out there putting out flyers, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 flyers at a time. Then the next week, we don't have any work, right? So we had this really cyclical employment, um, it was which just felt bad. I didn't like the idea of like hiring people for a few weeks and not being able to keep them on because they got excited and then, you know, you didn't have work for them. So we started looking for what are industries that would maybe need this more consistently. Well, in real estate, there's this marketing concept called farming. And so the idea is you pick a small area, usually like a single subdivision or, or a couple small subdivisions that are all nearby, and you send mail to the people that live there basically forever, right? And it's called farming because it, it literally takes a long time to see a result. And so for most agents that do this, usually after about one year, they'll, they'll get close to starting to break even. 
Um, after two, they they will have broken even. And then usually three and beyond, it's a very positive ROI, right? But it takes a lot of commitment. They have to stick with it. So, so we heard about this and we said, well, we could probably do flyers instead of mail. Let's see if we could sell this to some agents. And we started doing that and it was working. Right about the same time was when Facebook announced that they were going to start offering video ads. So they've been allowing people to post video on the platform for about a year or two at that point. Um, and then they said, okay, now, now small businesses, well, they just said any business can run video ads. And I, I had experimented with Facebook ads already. I knew how to run them. Um, and to me, that was just like, it was this light bulb moment where I'm like, well, that that's television commercials, you know, like TV commercials have been the gold standard for, for almost any business advertising for decades now. Now, any small business can essentially run their own version of television commercials, you know? So that was, so, so we had gotten into real estate at the same moment. So again, that was just sort of serendipity in terms of, of aligning with the agents. But that, and, and, and truth be told, we were early. I mean, that, you know, timing wise, like that was not the, the, you know, three years, four years later was the time to start that, that business probably. Um, but we saw it, we knew it was going to come down the road. And so we, we immediately got involved. We started, we went out and bought a, a basic camera started experimenting, learning how to do this stuff, you know, getting, getting that sort of the basics figured out. And that's how we got into it, you know? So, so the, you know, it's always been in a lot of ways and you'll, you'll hear this from anybody who's really achieved meaningful success in business. Like a lot of times there are lucky moments, you know, there are things you look back on, you go, I, I can't explain why that happened when it did or the way it did, but thank goodness it did. Cause that's what worked out. And that's what got me to the place I am today. So I do think, you know, you, the fact you had to stay in the game, right? And how many moments in there, you probably, you had family, friends, significant others, somebody saying, just go get a job, Nick. I mean, just, you know, you can get a salary, you have, you have a degree from a prestigious university, you know, go work at a big company. How did you stay committed to the entrepreneurial journey to even be there when these opportunities arose? I mean, it's, it's definitely stubbornness, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a very stubborn person. And like I said, I mean, my, my motive was always not wanting to be bossed around by somebody else, you know, and, I, and that's a theme you hear, right? You hear a lot of entrepreneurs say that. And, that, and that's also a warning, right? It's like, it, it's, you know, starting your own business is it's a slog. Most of them fail. The longer you go, the, lo the higher that percentage chance gets, you know, is a good chance that business is going to last forever. And I think that, you know, you got to have, there's got to be something else underneath it all, you know? So, I mean, I think yeah, I'm definitely stubborn, you know, it was definitely one of those where like, I, I hate the idea of ultimately failing, you know, so pivoting, which is in a way sort of admitting failure, right? You're admitting the previous business model didn't work, but at least in that case, you're, you're heading in a new direction. That's exciting, you know? Um, so I think, I think that's part of it. And I don't, and I don't, I understand most, there might be a lot of people that don't have that, you know? So I do think that that's, that's a meaningful advantage. Um, another part of it is, is just being, being willing to do things that most people wouldn't, you know, and, and you hear that a lot too. I mean, that, that Airbnb arrangement, I, I was kind of fun. I mean, it, there's a lot of cool stories that came from it and we met some really interesting people, but most folks, if you said, Hey, in order to be successful in business, you have to live, live with strangers, like random people every few days for three years, they're going to say, yeah, screw that. That sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. Right. So, you know, I, I do think that that's the other part of it is like, you know, when your family and friends are saying, hey, you need you need to move on or what are you doing? What, what's wrong with you, essentially? If you have at least some sort of buffer, you know, if you can say, look, I know the business isn't killing it yet, but I'm paying all my bills. You know, I'm, I'm able to feed myself. Right. I'm not a, I'm not a leech on you. That that's that's that padding that, that ultimately helped me. Right. So if I didn't have if I wasn't willing to do that, I mean, so we're talking, you know, side hustles. I mean, honestly, the Airbnb arrangement was a perfect side hustle because it did not take that much time. You know, I mean, you're dealing with with one kind of discomfort, which is, I mean, we lived in the basement. We had basically our own little suite in the basement. But, you know, you're sharing some of the kitchen space with, with some other folks and then you're cleaning, you're cleaning behind them. Right. You're cleaning the bathrooms, you're washing the sheets, all that kind of stuff. Not a big deal. Um, I have cleaned a lot of bathrooms across all my jobs. I was thinking about that the other day. But, you know, so, again, things other people might not be willing to do. Um, and that was the difference, right? If I, if I didn't have that, if I didn't have something else that was kind of giving me at least a floor, um, I, I probably would have had to give it give it up at some point, you know? And then and I'll also say, I, I, there's a lot of privilege that comes into this, you know? Like, I, I come from a family that, you know, it's not not wealthy, but they could help me out if I got in a bind, you know? And, and I think that there's a lot of psychology there, right? I mean, if you if you can look at that and say, you know, look, I can go another month, I can, I can push a little bit further down this path, because I know if, if the worst case scenario, 
is there's a there's a warm bed in my parents' basement that I could go to for a few weeks if I absolutely had to. You know that that can keep you going. Now I will also say that that I think can be a hindrance for some folks too, right? Because you can sort of see that and get almost too comfortable and maybe not push as hard as you could. And and there's some of that too. I mean, I look back and I think, man, there's definitely periods in there where if it was a little bit more dire straits, I probably would have worked a little bit harder. You know, so it's all trade offs. But but yeah, I think. Uh, I will say I've, I've definitely noticed the stubbornness as, as a theme amongst the entrepreneurs, you know, so if you're a really stubborn person that doesn't like being bossed around by other people, that's, that's a, that's a key indicator usually. So when did you feel like you, you felt like I'm approaching some excellence, I'm starting to really figure out something I'm good at. Um, I'm on that cusp of the edge of excellence. I mean, there's been times uh, sort of throughout this entire process where I started to feel that way. I mean, you know, one thing for me that that's always been a big indicator is like, what do people who actually understand what you're doing say about it? You know, so when we were doing like the same day video ads, that that particular service, I mean, if we introduce that now, and we have something similar to it that our, our company does, but if we introduce that now, it probably sell like crazy because the timing would be right. You know, when we, we introduced it, it was just a little bit early, but at that time we were going to some of these events and we were pitching this and we were talking to people that worked in advertising and they were stunned. You know, they're like, I don't believe you. You can create a professional quality Facebook ad for a small business for $500. And we're like, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the volume and the ratio, you know, profit margins, all that is, is something you got to figure out over time. But, you know, yeah, we were paying the videographer, like we were covering all the costs with plenty of money left over, you know, so we kind of had it all figured out. Um, and they were shocked, you know, and we'd even show them how the process worked and give them examples. And they were, they were very impressed by it, you know, so I think, those moments in a lot of ways like that, that was to me a really strong indicator of like, all right, we're doing something different. You know, we're doing something that that's more advanced, it's more impactful than other people are. Um, and then nowadays, over, over the past couple of years, you know, I think the the testimonials, I mean, talking to talking to some of these students, I mean, man, you, you want to feel better about yourself, you know, having your clients say, all I'm doing is what you told me to. And my business is growing while the economy is in real estate right now is terrible. You know, it's down 20%. So, you know, that, that obviously, you know, that makes you feel like you're, you're definitely there on terms of the edge excellence. Um, and then honestly, you know, getting hired to, to speak at some of these events. I mean, that, that to me, like I said, I wasn't setting out to be a speaker, you know, that wasn't necessarily my objective, but what I, what I have realized at this point is like, I love teaching people, you know, and, and, you know, I talked about the engineers. Well, guess what? My mom is a teacher, right? So there you go. I kind of tie that back in too. And, you know, I, I never really thought of being a teacher as a career at all, you know, and then I think I was thinking of it relatively narrowly, like teaching kids or high school kids or whatever. Right. Um, but it's what I do, you know, and I, and I think I'm, I, I am obviously good at it. I'm getting, you know, paid to, to be flown out to conferences to, to do that for, for other folks, you know? So I, you know, to me, it's uh, we do so much chasing in business, you know, like so all, all the stuff where you're out there hustling, knocking on doors, call cold calling, all that kind of stuff. And, and that's obviously very important. And, and so for me, when I don't have to do that anymore, that's when I can I feel like I'm at that level. You know, I feel that excellence coming through because that's your reputation paying off. Right. So so when I when I start to get these gigs, which is a relatively new thing for me at this point. Um, but when I get people reaching out saying, hey, we want to hire you to come speak at, at our events, um, you know, that that's they've either seen me speak or they've heard from somebody else who has. And it's been good enough that that they wanted me to to come do my thing for them. You know, and I think that 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 is the one that's been probably the most clear sort of sign of like, OK, we're, we're at this level. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully that all makes sense. <laughs> Have you thought about future pivots? You know where this is going. Yeah, you know, I, I think that the school, you know, it's in a good place. Um, we're at, we're at kind of the scaling point now, where it's mostly just about how do we how do we get the students in. You know, we, we've had a lot of our students basically say like, I tell all the people I know to join, but I you know, I don't know how to sell it, right? I'm not I'm not the marketer or the, the salesperson of this company. So to me, that that is a big opportunity right now. We're starting to build some of those systems for them. So we're going to push that as hard as we can. I mean, I think right now it's about there's 2 million. Well, there's probably less than 2 million now because a bunch of them quit recently. But there's about 2 million real estate agents in, in the United States. Uh, we have students in other countries, not a lot, but we have a fair number of Canadian students. Uh, we have at least one student over in Germany, which is pretty cool. Um, so I could see this business scaling quite a bit. And then I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 gonna I'm pushing a lot on the speaking career, you know. So I I do have big plans for continuing to to establish myself as a public speaker and and building more of a following. 
um, trying to trying to really establish more of a thought leadership, I think, moving forward. Um, and one thing I've learned from especially some of my partners in these businesses who, who already have that is just all the things you can do with it. You know, I mean, I think that that's one thing I've learned through this experience of working in marketing for so long is, you know, if you look at like, so they, they've shown that in Gen Z, like the number one career that they're pursuing is influencer, you know, which is people sort of scoff at all the time, which I get, you know, it's, it's a little bit silly compared to like being a doctor, or, you know, astronaut or something. But it makes sense because what they've realized and what I've kind of come to realize too is like, you can build the influence first, you know, you can build the market, the, the awareness first, and then it doesn't really matter what you're selling. As long as you build an audience that's going to want what you have to sell, they'll buy it from you because they trust you, you know, and it's literally called a parasocial relationship. So like this one-sided relationship where that follower feels like they know you, they feel like you're their friend. And so, you know, you can kind of do whatever you want with that. And there's lots of ways that can be dangerous, obviously. But that just means that it's it's very flexible, you know. So, for instance, I was I was interviewing at this conference. This, uh, this guy was nine point five million followers on TikTok, you know, and and he's at this point where like he he was telling me he's like, look, every day I get up, and it doesn't happen every day at this point, but every few days I get an email from like Nike or something, you know, proposing a partnership for me, and it's like I don't have to say yes to all of them. I can pick and choose, and like you know, what an amazing position to be in. So. You know, I think that is that is one thing that I, you know, again, going back to that being a shy kid, like I've I've never liked that idea. I've never liked the idea of being a being a, a famous person, you know, having a ton of influence. And so I'm I'm getting to, you know, that's kind of my my I'm right on the edge of that where it's just accepting it and just embracing it and saying, look, you know, all these people want to come hear you speak, all these people like to hear you share your ideas. You should share that with as many as you can, you know, and sort of figuring out, you know, what 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 lane am I going to work in? You know, what what what's the message I want to get across? So I think that's that's probably the biggest pivot. I mean, honestly, though, these two businesses with video, I mean, video is only getting bigger, you know, so I, I'm, I'm kind of hoping we can continue growing. I do think for Connect Video, um, we've got some really streamlined processes at this point. And so a lot of what we're doing there is we're just doing sort of monthly packages with clients where they pay us a certain amount a month. And then once a quarter, we get together. We go through, create like anywhere from six to 25 videos in just a few hours with them using some of those same same day video ad processes. Um, and I could see that service really blowing up over the next few years. So it's not necessarily a pivot, but I do think we might we might be considering franchising that sort of city to city. So like that's a possible growth opportunity there. Um, and then with the school, I mean, I, you know, I think I'd love to get in other industries. You know, I mean, I love real estate. I love working with these agents, but um, there's, you know, it, it's just fun to work in other industries. I'm, you know, getting a little bit tired of hearing the same stories and making the same sort of videos all the time, you know, it'd be kind of cool, but our production business has diversified more and, and works for the wider range of types of customers. So, um, I could see us getting into, into other industries from there. And then I don't know. I mean, one thing that I'm really curious about is what's going to happen because of AI, you know, I mean, that this, this chat GPT and all the stuff that we're seeing there, I, I know some, some of my friends who are, uh, building tools in this space. I'm even working on building one myself. And I just, the, the the speed with which it's advancing, you know, the amount of stuff you can do with these tools, I just don't know what these industries are going to look like in five years, you know? So I'm, in some ways, I'm almost trying to kind of just take it all in and, you know, use these tools and really get familiar with them. I, I think being able to use AI is going to be one of the, you know, that might be the only real skill in another five years, you know? I mean, it's like, I thought things like coding were going to be able to keep people safe. But I mean, heck, I know, I know a lot of guys that just stopped studying coding because they're like, look, I mean, this, these programs can do it at this point. What am I even going to do in another couple of years? So that one, I mean, it's like, I don't know where we're going with it, but you know, that that's one to kind of keep an eye on. Cause I think it's going to really change everything ultimately. Awesome. So what would you tell the 20 year olds listening and 20 year old you about how to figure out their future and build something that's going to lead to excellence in their life? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it, well, the one thing I would sort of say to my younger self, because uh, I was thinking a lot about this earlier, is like, I, I did too much comparing myself to other people, you know, and I, th I think that's one that's very hard to avoid. You hear this all the time. But I think that to, to really achieve, you know, excellence in something, you got to get the reps in, you know, as we talk about this video all the time, it's like, you, you just have to do the thing you want to be really good at a lot, you know, and if I think about like, like with my speaking, it's like, man, I have, I've done probably a thousand free presentations over the past 10 to 15 years. You know, I've, I've done, I've literally interviewed like 500 people on video, you know, and, and so a lot of it is just about getting those reps. 
And one of the things that will kill your ability to keep going is to compare yourself too much to other people. You know, so I've, I've had moments where you kind of look at that guy who's a little younger and they got into their career a little bit faster and they've had more success than you have. And more recently, I've really learned to understand that like everyone comes from a different background. Everyone has different advantages, different disadvantages, um, some more than others. And so to compare yourself to somebody else but not take into account all the things that they had going for them or against them is it's just irrelevant. You know, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it's completely pointless. It does not inform you in any sort of useful way. Um, And it's very hard not to do, you know, especially in the culture we live in with Instagram and social media and all the stuff that sort of encourages us to compare ourselves to each other. So that would be it. I, I don't know that I would be able to give myself or a younger person you know, a ton of great advice on how to execute against that, because some of that's just your brain is still developing. And you know, you're not you're not fully an adult yet. Um, But getting getting away from that as much as possible, because what it allows you to do is allows you just to to get obsessed, you know, to to focus in on that thing you want to be good at. And if you're not worrying about comparing yourself, you can just focus on that. Because the thing you ultimately want to do is get a little bit better than the day before, you know, and it's not going to happen every day. And some days you're going to fall back a little. Um, but that, that to me, like I, man, I coach on, I coach on this all the time. I, I try to remind, I remind myself of it all the time. If I just focus on getting just a little bit better, you know, get another rep in, try to make it just a little bit better this time than last time. That is what is ultimately going to get me to that destination, you know? And that, that was a big part of music. You know, when I would come in and, and practice music, it, it wasn't about trying to make five things better at once. It was always, what's that one thing you're going to improve on just a little bit, you know? I mean, it would sometimes be like, you're going to play this one note over and over again for an entire half hour lesson. And it's going to sound a little bit better when we're done, you know, and like, that's super, super minor. But that's how you got to approach this stuff, you know, so that that to me is what I would do. I say, look, put the comparisons aside, stop trying to talk about like, you're going to be the, the next wonderkind, maybe it'll happen. But the only way that's going to happen is if you just consistently get better at what you're doing, you know, and I think if you do that, your mental health is going to be a lot better. You know, you're going to be a lot more consistent. You're going to have a lot less of those moments where you sort of fall off the wagon entirely. And, uh, and you're probably going to get to that level a lot quicker. And then once you're there, I mean, when, once you start to separate yourself from the pack, it actually gets a lot easier. You know, when you understand something better than 99.9% of other people out there, there's just not much competition anymore, right? You're just operating on a level that, that, that separates you automatically from everybody else you know, and that's, that's a nice place to be, you know, so most people just aren't willing to to get the reps in to, to get to that level. So, you know, I don't, it's advice I think you do hear fairly often. And, you know, we get a lot of different advice, obviously, but, but if I were talking to myself, cause that's what I specifically really struggle with this idea of, you know, you're always trying to compare yourself to the next person. And all I really wanted to focus on or should have focused on was just myself. And, and did I get better than I used to be? All right. So, We've got a lot of CollegeWorks interns listening and a lot of prospective CollegeWorks interns and alumni listening. So uh, being an alumni at CollegeWorks, what specifically about that experience plays a role into your journey and what do you want them to know? Yeah, man, it's that's hard to do just because it's so much of it. You know, I mean, I think that, you know, obviously the the business skills is a big part of it. I mean, I do think one thing one thing that messed me up quite a bit coming out of CollegeWorks is. I, I was, you know, I was pretty confident, right? I've been, I'd been working with the company for six years, longer than a lot of folks do. Um, but, you know, I came out and I was like, I, I know how to run a business. I've done this for years. And then I overlooked the fact that someone else was doing all my accounting, you know, that somebody else was taking care of the legal. Like there was these things that were just not something I was directly responsible for, which is great when you're working with college works. You know, that's part of what makes the program so awesome is you don't have to juggle all the balls yourself. But I, you know, that was that was something that I, I was not as prepared for as I, I should have been, mostly just because I didn't think about it that way. Now, everything else though was directly applicable. I mean, I, I use, I mean, especially having been a district manager for many years, like you're you're mentoring and coaching other college students. I I, I use the heck out of those skills, you know, managing my employees, my even my partners, you know, knowing how to have hard conversations. Um, that's a big one, you know, just being willing to be the person to to say the thing and and resolve the issue. I mean, that, that's something you definitely have to learn when you run, when you run a small business. And so that's a big one. You know, I think uh, the sales skills. I mean, like I said, I mean, my first business I started was literally door knocking and passing out flyers, which I, I did some of college work. So, you know, I was directly using this, the skills that I had developed there. And granted, I was, I was a little more advanced because I actually hired a big team of people and I managed this whole crew that would do my, my flyer delivery and my door knocking for me. 
So I had a little bit more experience there maybe than the average person would. But that was a big deal. And then, you know, just just knowing how to sell. I mean, of all the skills, and I, I remember when I was working there, that was obviously a big focus was, look, if you can learn how to sell, you can do almost anything, you know, and then that's that's 100% true, right? Because because in a lot of ways, you know, sales is is that's just human conversation. You know, you want to convince somebody to to do something with you. You want to you want to build a relationship. You want to get somebody to be your friend. You know, I mean, just any any kind of situation in life, you can probably find the ways in which understanding how to talk to somebody effectively, which is what sales ultimately is, is going to be helpful. You know, so so learning learning you know both how to sell, but also how to how to let other people sell themselves. You know, that that idea of like, look, if you ask the right questions and you sort of just shut up and let somebody talk and ask follow-up questions and pay attention to what they're saying and make them feel seen and heard, then they're going to want to work with you, you know? And, and, and realistically, a lot of what I learned in college works, that's what we teach in the video school, you know? Because we, we go, look, I mean, this is ultimately... Sales used to have to be done face-to-face. There was no other way to do it. Maybe the phone, but that was about it, right? Now, you can let people get to know you and you can build these relationships through the camera before they contact you, you know? And if, and if you use the same things, the same rapport type building, like we talk all the time about, you know, what, what are you going to talk about in your videos? What do you build rapport with people around? What are those few topics you tend to come back to over and over again? You know, that's what your content should focus on. And so, yeah, so that, that's like four or five things, I think, but uh, that, that's really only even scratching the surface. I mean, I would... I would say, coming, you know, coming out of March Madness, the analogy I love is that, you know, college works. If you look at a basketball player that wants to play professional basketball, they're going to play college basketball, whether it's men's or women's. They're getting ready for the pros by playing the sport. And in the business world, um, how are you going to get prepared for the business world? Like, go do business. Yeah, yeah, that's a perfect analogy. I mean, I think that's ultimately... I mean, that's what I was saying is like, I, I'm going to one of the, the top schools in the country. And, and granted, the education was amazing. But, you know, the fact that I was out there in the field, actually implementing these things, actually, you know, running my own little trials, testing the stuff I was learning in class. That's what I remember. You know, I mean, that's the stuff that stuck with me. I mean, I, I you know, the, the just the, the whole concept I and mean, I, I didn't go through this the experience this way. And a lot of folks do do at least some kind of internship in college. But the idea that you're going to go through four years of traditional classroom style learning, and then in any sort of meaningful way, remember all of it, if you were not practicing it as you went, seems crazy to me. Like, I, I don't get that, you know? And in fact, like, they, they show that. Like, if you're an engineer, a lot of these folks, they go into their job and they basically have to get retrained um, for the specialty or, or whatever it is that that company does. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, that's a perfect analogy. And I think, you know, the ability to to be out there implementing and trying and testing and experimenting with the concepts you're learning. I mean, in my personal opinion, that should be part of college, you know, like co- college, should, that should be part of how it works. You know, some of some of the semesters should literally be out there working in the field. Um, it's a little surprising that it does not yet work that way. And I mean, we're at a point in history now where like, People are they're starting to second guess the value of their degrees. You know, some of these companies aren't requiring degrees anymore. Um, there's I think it's like over 50 percent of people question if, if their college degree is ultimately going to be worth it, which is kind of mind blowing. And so I wouldn't be surprised if in another five or 10 years we see a, a shift in, in the whole approach to education that starts to include more of this. Um, and that and that's something I implemented in our school. It's like everything we do is, is yes, you take classes. But a lot of it is about making a video and sharing it and getting that feedback and seeing what people say. And if our students go more than a few weeks without actually making something, that's usually what we, we sort of is the next step. It's, hey, get back out there and make another video before you take another class. So that's, that's I think, a, a perfect analogy for, for ultimately what you're getting with CollegeWorks. You weren't just learning the business stuff of how to talk to a customer, how to resolve a complaint or how to hire an employee, but just how to fail and overcome challenges and manage your time and all the life skills that you're using today. It, yeah. I mean, dude, I, I literally teach the time management structure I learned at college works in our school. Like I teach this to real estate agents, you know, and they're like, and they're mind blown every time, you know, because yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's again, back to the, the edge of excellence, right? Like be, being at that, that top of your game, it's like, it, it requires all that stuff. You know I mean? I, I didn't talk about any of this, but like one of the things I've done in the past three or four years is like, um, you know, I, I quit drinking and I started working out regularly and, and eating better, you know, and it's like, and that has nothing to do directly with business, but, of, but of course it affects my business results, right? Because everything, you know, you're, you're just one person, you only have the one brain, right? It gets affected by everything that happens in your life. And so, yeah, that, that's something like you, you do a program like this and I don't think there's many others like it, right? So you, you do this program 
and you get that holistic experience, right? I mean, when, when I remember when I was a district manager working with interns and when I worked with my DM, it was very rarely about just the business skills, you know, it was about, yeah, how are you getting everything else done? You know, how, how are your friends, you know, doing, did you get time to hang out with them? Are your relationships in good places, you know, like that's all going to affect it. Cause you go into, to sell somebody on something. If you're in a good mood and you're feeling confident and your life's in order and you're feeling healthy, you're going to probably have a much better conversation, you know? Um, and so I think, yeah, I think being able to to work with people that that understand all that and know how to mentor you through it and, and have been there themselves and dealt with the same exact kind of struggles and frustrations. Um, that's tremendous. You know, and if you can if you can do that stuff when you're a college student, you can balance that with going to school. Your career will literally be that much easier and you'll advance that much faster. Right. Because you're coming in with experience, not just in the business world, but in the in the personal life sort of experience that very few 22-year-olds have. Well, thanks, Nick, for sharing with the audience and congrats on finding your niche and developing excellence within it. We really appreciate everything you shared with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.